High Praise Podcasts. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Joshua, lead pastor here at High Praise, and I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. We know that this message is going to encourage and bless you. So I want you to open up your heart and receive what the Lord has for you today. Grab your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 4. We're going to be continuing this series, and I'm going to preach fast, ordinary too extraordinary. How many have been getting something out of this series that we've been ministering? Uh, We've said it repeatedly, but it bears repeating again. God always delights in taking something that is ordinary and making something extraordinary out of it. If it's Elisha, if it's Gideon, if it's David, if it's a host of others that we read about in the scriptures, At the end of the day, we have to realize the people that we read about were normal people. They were normal people. Most of them had normal jobs, had families, had marriages, had kids. And if you had a marriage and a child, children, you know at some point you've had problems. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Right? If you've lived on the planet Earth, you've had problems. And oftentimes what we do is we read the accounts of these people and we only look at the highlights and we ignore the places where they might have fallen short. Right? We look at the highlights. We look at David killing Goliath. We look at all of these great, powerful. We look at Elisha and the miracles he performed. We look... And all of the highlights, and we miss the lowlights, and we just gloss over those. We, we, we treat the Bible like Instagram, right? Where we just look at the highlights, and we just gloss over the stuff that isn't as savory. But these people had problems, just like you have problems. How many of you in here have some problems? Don't look at your spouse, whatever you do right now. I'm going to save you some problems. Don't look at them and go, yeah, that's right. But today, I want to look... One of my personal favorites in scripture of, of, of somebody who was an everyday, average, normal person, but God used him to do something extraordinary. And today in the New Testament, I want to look at a man by the name of Peter. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 says this. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. Very familiar here where Jesus calls Peter. Jesus is beginning his Galilean ministry. He's beginning his ministry in the earth. And the very first person that we see mentioned out of the gates that's called by Jesus is this man, Simon, who's called Peter and his brother, Andrew. But the first one who gets mentioned is Peter. And it's really interesting, uh, whenever we meet Peter, we don't know a lot about him. But over the course of Scripture, we are going to learn a lot about Peter. And I want to just clue you in on some of the things over the course of Scripture that we learn about Peter that might help you identify with him a little bit. Because a lot of times we read about Peter and we read about this guy who's working miracles, who's doing powerful and mighty things, who's turning the world upside down, but we forget about the guy that's outlined for us in scripture. First of all, we know this about 
about Peter, the very first thing we see when we meet him is he's a fisherman. A, a fisherman in Israel was not some sort of job of great renown. It was not a, a highly, necessarily highly esteemed job, a very necessary job. We are not really all that thankful for fishermen, but we like to eat fish. Right? Whenever people go through a list of professions and they thank them, generally fishermen are not on that list. Uh, we On our vacation uh, that we, we just came back from, there was actually at one point a, a parade of, of, of heroes that they did. And, and they listed all these professions and oddly pastors were not on the list. So I didn't get to participate in the parade. I was just a little bit salty about it. And I'm just, I'm, I'm playing. I wouldn't have if they would have mentioned pastors. I'd be like, I ain't going to that. But fishermen were also not on the list, even though everybody where we were at were eating fish. Nobody really thinks about fishermen as heroes. Now, maybe in your own brain, if you're a fisherman, you're a hero. And when you talk about the fish that was this big, that whenever you tell the story, it was this big, right? But in our society, it's not somebody we think about necessarily as a hero. This is a blue collar Every man job. It's not of great reputation. It's not of great renown. It's just an everyday's man job. We'll learn more about Peter over the course of the New Testament. Here's some of those other things that we learned. We know that Peter had a family. How do we know Peter had a family? Because Peter had a mother-in-law. To have a mother-in-law means that Peter had a wife. Very likely then that he also had children. Not necessarily mentioned, but very likely. We know that Peter had a mother-in-law because Peter brought Jesus to heal his mother-in-law in Luke chapter 4, which makes Peter a pretty decent guy. <laughs> Peter was a homeowner. We see that from the same account in Luke 4. Peter brought Jesus to his house. Peter is a guy who's a fisherman, who has a family, who has a house, and if he has a house, it means that he probably also has to keep up that house, which means Peter has to just live life every single day. It means this, Peter had responsibility with a job, with a family, with a home, comes responsibility just like we all have every day. And a lot of times we will make these excuses. As a matter of fact, Jesus in several parables uses the excuses of family as why people don't do what God told them to do, right? Just married a wife, had to make her happy, right? And, and, and we still do this today, but Peter didn't allow these things to get in the way of him doing what he was called to do and being faithful to Jesus and faithful to what he was called to do. By the way, we all have responsibility. Responsibility cannot be your excuse for spiritual laziness. Peter also is a guy who has problems, a lot of them. At one point, Jesus looks at Peter and calls him Satan. The spiritual leader, the pastor in the life of Peter looks at him and says, get behind me, Satan. Wow. Jesus would not be welcomed at church growth conferences in the year 2023. I have never in my life, all my years of ministry considered... Uh, May have considered it, but I never have <laughs> looked at anybody and called them Satan, right? And Peter stayed. Which, by the way, big kudos to Peter. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But Peter stayed through all of that. But obviously, Jesus doesn't just look at somebody and say that unless they've got some problems. Peter, y'all are going to like this one. Some of y'all, this is going to give you hope. Peter was unathletic. 
Well, what do you mean, Pastor? When, when, there's, when, when, when Mary comes to the disciples and tells them about the, the empty tomb in the Gospel of John, it literally says this about Peter, that they took off racing to the tomb. And it actually says this, it says, and they both ran together. And the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. Which, by the way, the other disciple who's in question there, most people believe that's John who wrote the book. So John made sure to include in this account, Peter and I raced, and Peter was slow, and I beat him there. <laughs> it's really like, it's real salty. I'm sure Peter, somebody read the language, John had to put that in there. Not athletic. Peter's a workaholic. What do you mean? Well, right after Jesus is resurrected and Jesus shows up to Peter, Peter goes, all right, I'm going fishing. You just saw Jesus in a glorified body, resurrected from the tomb, and your first response is, I really need to get back to work. Really need to go fish. Peter had a temper he acted rashly. He cut off the ear of the servant of the high priest Malchus when they came to arrest Jesus in John 18. As a matter of fact, it's really kind of funny because I was thinking about this the other day. A lot of times if you've ever seen a movie, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. Y'all just hang with me. I'm just trying to paint a picture for you of who Peter is to get where we're going, okay? A lot of times with, with if we ever see like a, a movie of an account of the arrest of Jesus, the Romans show up with like 13 people. In reality, when you read it, there were hundreds, if not thousands of people who showed up. And when they go to arrest Jesus, Peter, who's trying to act bad, takes out his sword and is like, we're about to fight. But Peter does not attack a Roman guard. He attacks the servant of the high priest. So basically, big bad Peter picked the smallest, weakest least influential person there and tried to kill them to look bad. That's what he did. Peter's got this temper and Jesus gets, Jesus is annoyed at Peter right then. They're, they're arresting Jesus and Jesus is annoyed. He's like, Peter, put away your sword, dude. What are you doing? Peter has a temper. He's angry. He's prone to this violent outburst. Peter's inconsistent in his faith. He denied Jesus three times while cussing. Denying Jesus wasn't bad enough. Peter's uneducated and ordinary. It's what he's called in Acts 4. It says that they're unlearned men. Peter is one of the greatest biblical figures that gives me hope. He's a regular guy with a family. Not the smartest knife in the drawer. Unathletic. He's got a temper. Inconsistent in his faith. Ordinary. And here we are 2,000 years later talking about him on a Sunday morning in church. Still talking about him. I mean, Paul, Paul's brilliant, right? We read Paul, people are still arguing over what Paul said when he, what he meant when he said certain things to this day. What did Paul actually mean when he said this? Because Paul is, Paul's incredibly smart. He's incredibly righteous and all of these things. And Paul, I look at Paul and I go, I don't know if I can be like Paul, but Peter, I can beat that. John did, I can do it too right? I can beat that. 
I can, I clear the hurdle of Peter, thank God. And if God could use Peter, he could certainly use me. Peter gives me hope. If he could use Peter, he could certainly use me. And if God could use Peter, he can certainly use you. And my, oh my, did God use Peter. This guy with all of these problems, with all of these issues, is the same guy who is going to preach the very first sermon of the church age on the day of Pentecost. The dude who was denying Jesus, who was trying to kill people, which by the way, that's exactly what Peter was doing with Malchus. I've seen people before, before in movies like Peter whips the sword out and starts like twirling it around and cuts off an ear. Peter was a fisherman. He was not a soldier. Peter went for a head and got an ear. Peter missed. He couldn't even try to kill somebody right. Y'all with me? He messed everything up. And this same guy, not long after, is going to stand on the day of Pentecost. And with the power of the Holy Spirit in doing him, he is going to preach. And 3,000 people are going to be saved from the very first message that Peter ever preaches if, if, if 3,000 people get saved the first time you preach, it's all downhill from there. But not for Peter. He went from glory to glory and faith to faith. Right? God did powerful and mighty things through the life of Peter. And get this, it wasn't because, Pe it wasn't because Peter had it all together. It was in spite of Peter's problems, in spite of his issues, regardless of whatever was going on in his life, God still used Peter in an extraordinary way, and God can use you in the same manner. Don't look at your life and go, I don't think I've got it. Don't look at your problems and your shortcomings and the places that you've missed it and go, God could never use me. Because if God used Peter, he can certainly use you. What was it though about Peter? What was it that happened? How did he go from this flawed person to being this man who would help change the course of history? I, I think we see really the first step at the beginning of the text that we read of this message, and it is simply this. Peter simply made a choice to follow. Peter made this simple choice. I'm going to follow Jesus regardless of what it costs me. Peter literally quit a job in a moment. By the way, it's, it's, it's probably more akin to quitting a business that he owned. And by the way, I'm not telling you to go quit your job tomorrow to follow Jesus. Don't misunderstand me. What I am saying is Peter was willing to lose whatever he had to lose to follow Jesus, to lay down whatever he had to lay down to follow Jesus. Peter laid down a net. Some of you may need to lay down social media. Some of you might have to lay down relationships. Some of you might have to lay down your idolatry of celebrity or a political figure or whoever it might be. Some of you might have to, because I promise you this, whenever you follow Jesus, you will have to lay some things down. You know the biggest thing you have to lay down to follow him? You. Yourself. 
your ambition, your will, your desire, what you want to do. You have to lay it down to follow Jesus. Peter makes this decision, I'm following him. As a matter of fact, it really hearkens and is, there's really this parallel. If you remember uh, weeks back, whenever I talked about Elisha, right? And Elijah is walking and he throws a mantle and he keeps going and Elisha chases him down, says, I'm following you. And then he takes and he goes back and he breaks down his plow and he slaughters his oxen and he makes a sacrifice. It's really a very similar, uh, it is a, a mirror. It is a, a, a recurring theme here. Jesus shows up and says, hey, follow me because what you're doing right now isn't who you're really called to be. There's something deeper inside of you. And the person drops whatever it is they're doing and they pursue. And they pursue relentlessly. And they don't quit. And when it gets difficult, they don't go home. And when they're rebuked, they don't stop. And when things are challenged in their life, they don't go the other way. Most people wouldn't make it the way Peter made it. Not because Peter had some sort of special superpower on his life. Because Peter just made a choice. I'm sticking no matter what. Right? I, you listen, I, Peter probably at certain points realized, yeah, I probably, I probably, probably deserved that one. <laughs> I probably needed that. I needed that adjustment. I needed it. So right, one time Jesus basically calls Peter stupid. There's literally a time Peter goes, Jesus like, hey, what do you mean by that? He goes, what do you mean what I mean by that? Y'all been with me this long and you still don't know what I'm talking about? All right. Jesus, pastor of the year. Right? Jesus is constantly challenging Peter, and Peter stays. Peter continues. Peter continues to push into relationship, to push into identity. Just simply making, I know this seems really simple, but I think oftentimes we want the big grandiose answer on what it means to become extraordinary, but the real answer isn't an encounter with an angel and a tornado goes by you and suddenly fire shows up and a voice shows up out of the heavens and the clouds part and Jesus plays peekaboo with you. That's normally not the answer. You know what the answer is most of the time? This simple, consistent application of the elementary things. And the biggest thing that Peter did, and we're talking, about, we're talking about another thing in a minute, but the biggest thing Peter did was this. He said, I am going to follow Jesus. No matter what it costs me, no matter what other people say, no matter if anybody else goes or stays or does whatever they're supposed to do, I'm not them and I'm not going to be swayed by them. I'm following Jesus all the way through. You have to understand they thought they were fishermen. Jesus says, you were close, but you were off just a little bit. Most people don't miss it in their identity way off field. They miss it just a little bit. But that just a little bit over a course of trajectory of time will take you way off course. I've heard dad give this analogy and Harvey flies airplanes. And if, if you're off just a little bit when you're flying, you can be one degree off. But over the course of a long journey, you're going to end up somewhere that's not even close to where you originally thought you were going. Most Christians don't miss it by going and robbing banks and killing people. They miss it in the small thing. They miss it when they don't show up for church. 
They miss it when they don't forgive somebody. They miss it when they harbor bitterness and offense, even though they believe it's justified. Right? Well, you don't know what they did to me. It doesn't matter what they did to you. You don't forgive them for you. You forgive them for your own well-being. They miss it in the little things. They miss it in the little things, but the little thing takes them way off course. We got to just get the simple things. Right? I'm all about emptying out hospitals and laying hands on people and raising the dead. But if you can't get up and hit the alarm clock and get to church, bless God. You're off just a little bit. And Jesus really begins to offer an invitation to them. When he goes, hey, follow me. I'll make you a fisher of men. It's an invitation to discover who they really are. And oftentimes, I think this is one place we miss it. Whenever we're invited to follow Jesus, whenever we begin a journey of Christianity, whenever you are born again, it is not the be-all, end-all, end of the journey. It is the beginning of a journey to find out who you really are, who you are really called to be, who God has really ordained and destined for you to become. One of the greatest struggles people always go through is identity. If you would just believe who God says you are, most of your problems would get fixed real fast. If you would actually believe that you are who God says you are and believe he is who he says he is and believe about other people the way that God believes about them, it would fix a lot of issues real fast. That's why the enemy spends so much time trying to convince you that you are less than what God has called you. But you aren't what culture says you are. I'm going to say that again. You aren't what culture says you are. You aren't what your family members say you are. You aren't what your coworkers say you are. You aren't your mistakes. You are who God says you are. Peter wasn't his mistakes. Peter was who God said he was. It didn't mean Peter needed to keep going those, making those same mistakes, right? He needed to fix them and he did, but that's not who he was. He was who God called him to be. I said this for years whenever I would do youth. And it, honestly, the world wasn't even as crazy as it is today with identity issues, but I would tell the youth this all the time. Anything that isn't who God has called you to be is not who you are. Because we excuse so much with, well, it's just who I am. If it's not looking like Jesus, it's not who you are. And if it's not who you are, then you don't have to accept that as part of your identity. You are meant to be conformed to his image, his likeness, become like him. That's what Peter did. One day at a time, one mistake at a time, one mess up at a time, and getting back up. You know, the Proverbs tells us this. The, the, the difference between the wicked and the righteous is not whether or not you're going to fall. The difference between the wicked and the righteous is how you respond on the other side. A righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. But a wicked man lays beside his calamity. There's a lot of people who are wicked, not because they fall, but because they refuse to get back up when they messed up and press forward to who God's called them to be. I'm not going to get mad and upset at you if you mess up. I'm just going to get upset at you if you don't get up and keep pressing forward. If you don't pick yourself up off the ground, go, I'm going to learn from this, dust the dirt off and keep marching forward. Become who God has called you to be. Don't let the enemy win. Turn to Matthew 16 real quick. I'm going to Close with this. Y'all get anything out of this? Matthew 16, 13, it says this. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? 
So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter is the one who speaks up and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who's in heaven. And I also say to you, get this, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus has told Peter who he is. Follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. And in that invitation, Peter discovers who Jesus is. And then Jesus turns around and he asks Peter a question. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say I am? He says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And when Peter correctly answers this question, there's a new level of identity that is unlocked in his life. Because Jesus doesn't just say, and blessed are you, Simon Barjona. And now, because this is where Jesus changes his name. He goes, now you're Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against him. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound on earth. Whatever you loose, uh, whatever you bind in heaven will be bound on earth. Whatever you loose in heaven will be loosed on earth. That, that's, that's what Jesus begins to say to him. He releases a new level, a new measure of identity into Peter on the other side of Peter recognizing who Jesus is. So listen, this is where we're going with this today. There is this thing that happens in recognition and worship. Because that's what Peter begins to do. He recognizes who Jesus is and worships him for who he is. And then Jesus says, now Peter, I can tell you who you have been becoming all of this time. And one of these greatest keys from going from ordinary to extraordinary is one, you just follow. And whenever you follow, you discover who Jesus is in depths that you didn't even think imaginable. And you worship him for who he is. And then he begins to speak over you who you're called to be. He begins to release identity over you. He begins to release power into your life. A door of identity is open to Peter, not because Peter goes on a journey of self-discovery. I think we focus far too much in our culture on discovering who you are. You don't need to discover who you are. You need to discover who he is and let him tell you who you are. Right? I just need to go on. I, I need to go on a pilgrimage to discover who I am. I'm just on this discovery of, of, of who I am, a journey of self-discovery. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's about him and you let him tell you who you are. You don't need to know who you are. You need to discover who he is and let him tell you who you are. Peter thought he was a fisherman. Jesus said, no, you're a fisher of men. Peter thought he was called to have keys to a house, but Jesus came to give him keys to a kingdom. Peter thought he was a brawler and a tough guy, but Jesus came to reveal that he was called to storm the gates of hell. Everything that Peter thought he was was this close to what he actually was. But whenever he began to pursue Jesus, he discovered who he actually was and what those things actually were put inside of him for. Because the enemy will love to take the things that God has put inside of you and twist them and pervert them to be about you and not about him. 
And all of Peter's shortcomings and flaws were this close to who God actually called him to be. He just had it channeled in the wrong way. Peter, you weren't called to fight people. You were meant to fight the forces of hell. Peter, you weren't called to just be have a home. You were called to have the gates of the kingdom, excuse me, the keys to the kingdom. You weren't called to just catch fish. You were called to be somebody who would stand and preach and see people saved and brought into the boat of the kingdom. When you discover who God's called you to be, it's so much greater than what you thought you were called to be. So in, in, in conclusion, it's, it's this simple. Follow fiercely. Follow fiercely. Don't quit. Don't get distracted. Don't stop no matter what. When it's difficult, keep following. When God's joined you to people, don't let pettiness separate you. And uh, as you're following, begin to worship the Lord. Discover who he is. And on the other side, watch as he begins to release identity of who you're called to be. And then step into that and become who he's called you to be. Don't let it just be a word over your life, but begin to step into it through faithfulness. Begin to step into it through being there. Because this is the other thing. This is the other thing. I didn't have time to get to this, but Jesus, after his resurrection, before he leaves, he tells a great crowd of people, hey, you guys go tarry in Jerusalem till you're endued with power from on high. And there's hundreds of people that go, hundreds. Hundreds of people hear that. There's only 120 in the upper room. People left after Jesus gave them a command. Peter continued to follow fiercely even to the end. If Peter would have said, hey, that's good advice, Jesus, but I really don't think that's for me. He wouldn't have been there on the day of Pentecost. He wouldn't have been there to preach. He wouldn't have been there to minister. Follow fiercely. Be obedient and watch what God does in your life. Will you stand up to your feet? He's taking you from ordinary to extraordinary, from average to incredible, as you are simply faithful. You lift your hands this morning. I just want you to pray with me today. Say, Father God, I thank you this morning that you are taking me from ordinary to extraordinary, from average to incredible. I'm going to follow no matter what anyone else says, no matter what it costs me, I will follow you. I will follow you. I will be obedient to your word. And as I do, I'm gonna worship you. I'm gonna praise you. And you're gonna release identity over my life to bring me into purpose and to bring me into destiny. I give you praise this morning in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, can you give him a shout of praise this morning? If you Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you and have a great week.